Hello everyone, I'm Ellis Traub and this is Money, Business and More. At this point, you should have already settled on your mission and drafted your mission statement. We covered that in a former podcast, as we also did the ensuing task, creating and analyzing your feasibility study, which was intended to inform you. Now it's time to put your effort into creating a business plan that will satisfy others. Fortunately, the work you did to create your feasibility study has put the hard part behind you. You've done your market studies, you've quantified the size of your market, and come to the conclusion, after modestly forecasting your potential income and bending over backwards to avoid unpleasant surprises by overstating your expenses, that you can handily meet your goals and operate a profitable business. You're comfortable that you need no more evidence that you can do it. Now it's time to create the documents that will persuade others to come to the same conclusion. Unless you've got money to burn, you're going to need to get some help financing your startup, and you'll need some effective advertising to do it. And that's exactly what a business plan is. It's a document whose purpose it is to convince those you want to borrow from, those you want to have invest in your business, or those you want to create your marketing, or anyone else whose help you need, even your potential customers or clients it may be, that you're someone they want to do business with. Many who want to do this start out by looking for templates online or in the business textbooks. Those templates are usually one-size-fits-all and contain every category imaginable. Looking at those templates can be intimidating because some of the categories that they have are not even necessary for your business. So I would suggest that you trash them and instead use your common sense. In a previous podcast, I spoke about a salesman who was interrupted by his prospect in the middle of his pitch with a question. This silly salesman had rehearsed and perfected his pitch and made sure it contained all of the information about his product and company he thought a client should know. So instead of stopping and focusing on just what the prospect wanted to know, he told him, wait, let me finish, and went on to finish his pitch. What a gift his prospect had given him, and he didn't even know it. Well, the same principle applies here. Your business plan doesn't have to give its reader any more information than is relevant to their needs. Whether it's a banker, an investor, a vendor, or whatever, you should tailor your business plan to give those who read it exactly what they want and don't burden them with stuff to wade through that will distract them. Make a list of everyone you might want to read it and be persuaded by it, and then rank them in order of importance. Then, focus on what's important to them and write a business plan that meets that need. When you've satisfied yourself that you've accomplished that, read it through, considering how it works for the next important recipient. And if it needs any tweaking, additional information or descriptive information that's more important to that reader, add the extra information or describe what you're talking about in a way that will also be of interest to him didn't do this for every possible reader. It might even be necessary to create more than one plan, or you might want to leave off the financial information when you give it to someone like your advertising agency to provide them with the foundation for your campaign. Although doing a business plan is often a big turnoff for many, I can make it very simple for you if you've already gone through the steps I've outlined for you in my earlier podcast creating your mission statement, expanding it using the business model canvas, and doing all the work required for your feasibility study has prepared you to make this step child's play. Why? 
because all you need to do is include who you are, what you do, how you do it, who it benefits, how it benefits them, and what principles guide you in your enterprise. Sound familiar? Of course it is. That's exactly how you started this whole thing. All you need to add is evidence that what you plan to do works financially. And you should have done all that work necessary for that when you gathered the data to justify the numbers you put in your feasibility study. So if you just put those things in an outline, you've got your own template, and you can simply flesh it out into a readable narrative. And voila, you've got yourself a business plan that will do just what you want it to do for you. So we'll spend the next few minutes talking about just how you dress it up in fine clothes to go to the dance. First, let's take a short break, and we'll be right back. Did you know that you have access to a personal mentor to help you with your business issues? Whether you're starting a new business or trying to improve the way an existing business runs, you'll find them at SCORE.org. This is the website for SCORE, the Service Corps of Retired Executives. It's an arm of the U.S. Small Business Administration and consists of thousands of volunteers in more than 300 cities across the United States. And the best part is that their services are offered at no cost to you. At SCORE.org, you can enter your zip code and find a list of local mentors, each showing his or her areas of expertise. And you can schedule your own appointment at a convenient time and location. SCORE also offers a variety of regular workshops presented by professionals in their fields. You can see a current schedule of those events and pre-register on the spot. Some general classes are offered free of charge, while others have a modest fee, which is usually discounted for pre-registration. Check it out. SCORE is the place to go to find someone whose experience may be just what you need. If you've ever looked at the average business plan template, even without being filled in, it's a bunch of pages thick. It's got a front page that someone designed to make sure the necessary information was displayed, usually the name of the company and the fact that it's a business plan. Next, you'll find an executive summary that lists the salient information that it provides and the conclusions it draws. And that is then followed by page after page of information, usually in a conventional order and containing both text and tables to tell the story. Now, I've seen desks of loan officers piled high with these things, and one looks just like another. Believe it or not, loan officers are people just like you and me. Maybe they're inclined to have more of a bean-counter mindset because they make their livings by analyzing numbers and looking at profit and loss statements. But trust me, if they have their choice of reading a novel or looking at a spreadsheet, most would rather be home on the weekend reading the novel and looking at conventional business plans all day long. So my point is that your business plan, if it's going to get the attention you want it to and accomplish the purpose you're going to all this trouble to create it for, you're going to need to make it stand out and generate some excitement and not just find its place in that pile with the rest. The trick here is to be absolutely sure that it gives the reader every bit of information they need to make a decision. But design it so it stands out. This document is an advertisement for your business, plain and simple, and it needs to generate the same excitement as a good ad will. So put a glossy cover on it with your logo and make sure it has all the information on it that belongs there. The fact that it's a business plan for your business, the name, address, all the contacts, so it doesn't take a search to figure out how to get a hold of you if they want to. And why not include a graphic 
Or if you can afford it, make the entire page as a graphic, so long as it doesn't detract from the information. That graphic should be an eye-catching expression of what your business does or a metaphor for it. If it doesn't show what your business does, it should arouse curiosity so that the reader is eager to look inside. Then, just like any other interesting book, it should have a table of contents. If someone wants to go directly to a section, maybe they want to show it to somebody else, they should be able to find it right away. Your typeface should be dignified and attractive, but most important, it should be easy to read. Although your executive summary will probably be the last thing that you add, because you haven't said anything to summarize yet, it should take no more than a single page. If it does it first, then cut out the least important item until it becomes a real summary. But just be sure that it contains the elements of your mission statement with emphasis on what you do, how you do it, who you do it for, and how they benefit. And add how that value for others translates into rewards for the company. The reader is going to assume that most of your justification for those facts lies within. Now comes the body of the document. It should read like a novel. People like to read an interesting narrative much better than they like to read a dry document. Under the heading of who you are, you can document your education, skills, experience, and interests, the very things that drove your selection of the business to go into. Yes, you can punctuate the narrative by bullet-pointing some of the things you have to brag about in your background. If you don't have that much to brag about, you can make your story interesting by relating how your entrepreneurial spirit overcame your lack of education or experience, just like many notable entrepreneurs such as Henry Ford or others who succeeded in spite of the lack of formal education. If you lack the experience, name and identify those who comprise your management staff and their resumes. This will show that you've gone to the trouble of supplementing your lack of experience with those who have it. You're going to want to do that anyway, even if you have an impressive resume yourself. Next, you'll identify your company, including the legal structure, whether it's a partnership, LLC, corporation, or whatever. And in the same section, explain just what you do. Reveal all of the products and services you offer, and be lavish with the adjectives and adverbs. For example... We generate magnificent Pop-Tarts that have been specially prepared with our proprietary mix to keep the kids coming back for more. Well, maybe not quite that expansive, but you get the idea. This is the place where you sell your product. And as with any product advertisement, it's an opportunity to sell a sizzle, not the steak. This is where you describe what it does and for whom, and you make it clear why what you offer is so good for those who buy it. What has to show through this narrative is both your uniqueness and your passion. These are things that are generally lacking in the other business plans and that stack on the loan officer's desk. This is your opportunity to introduce an emotional content to what's usually a dry reference manual. And in that section, you'll also describe the various markets for whom you provide these products or services. Take particular pains to explain enthusiastically just what you do and why it does so much for those who buy it. Emphasize their value to the target market and be sure to explain the pricing for your products or services. When you've covered what you do, how you do it, who you do it for, and its value to them, it's time to get down to the financial portion of the plan. This should be a new page, a new section, and it should easily be referred to by the reader 
because for your lenders or investors, this is where the rubber meets the road. Now you're going to provide a narrative disclosure of your financial conclusions. What is it that will financially reward you for your effort and investment? In its basic form, it's the product of the prices you charge for your goods and services and the number of units of each you sell. So you'll need to show where you got your data, but don't include the tables and tabulations of data in your narrative. Instead, use statements like, as you can see in Schedule A, or Appendix C, we found that a study of our closest competitors in this business charged X number of dollars for product A. Or you can use footnotes. Whatever you do, leave all of the charts and data for those schedules or appendices. You just don't want to interrupt the reader's flow to introduce it. If the reader wants to go there and see what studies or government reports provided you with the necessary data, they'll know where to go for it. But don't make them stop to examine a chart or table while they're enjoying the story. There are two things in this portion of the plan that you need to do. Build a predicate for your pricing and do the same for the size and scope of your prospective market. The combination of how many are sold and how much is paid for them is how you arrive at the income your business will produce, and you have to back up your estimates effectively. That's why you've done your studies of the market for your products and services. Here you'll speak about your competition and use it to explain how you arrived at the pricing model you'll use for your products or services. And this is where the business schools like to include charts and graphs to provide the empirical data to justify their conclusions. Don't do it. Provide it, yes. Provide reams of it. But don't plan it smack in the middle of the story that's entertaining as well as educating your reader. Just state your conclusions. Explain how the company is expected to grow at the rate of X percent each year and that it's expected to bring in X number of dollars for the first year, so much for the second, so much for the third, and that after five years it's expected to bring in so many dollars profit with a profit margin of X percent of sales. If there are any other stats that you expect will highlight your potential success, include them, but by no means exaggerate. If you can't justify them with data, forget about it. In any case, provide a complete picture here in narrative form with some bullet points to emphasize some of the items that would be too unwieldy to include in a run-on sentence and would provide more punch in listed format. One last thought about the narrative portion of your story, don't be afraid to add graphics to illustrate your narrative. If you can include actual photos of the items you're discussing, just fine. But if you can't, it's still good to put graphics that will tell your story with metaphor. Finally, you'll document your pro forma and columnar form, doing exactly as you did with your feasibility study, but taking pains to make it attractive and readable, since someone besides you is going to read it. Here you'll add notations, asterisks, or footnotes that will call attention to such things as the fact that you've made an effort to understate your income and overstate your expenses when compared with the data that you use to justify your forecast. It should go without saying that any numbers you've cited in the body of your narrative should match those that are displayed in your pro forma. When you're finished, as we said earlier, reread it from a different perspective to be sure it will suffice for someone with something else you need or want. If you need to add something to satisfy a different reader, do it in a fashion that won't alter its value for the first. Finally, now that you've assembled all of the information, 
create the executive summary and insert it after the table of contents. When it's all finished, find a way to package or bind it in some way other than just stapling it together or putting it in a generic cover. Make it attractive and attention-getting. Many years ago, when I worked for a large New York company, I became frustrated because I couldn't overcome the politics in lower and middle management. I'd created a proposal that I wanted to skip past those levels and have it considered by the CEO in downtown New York. So I paid to have it typed on colored company stationery, bound it in a gold photo album cover, hand illustrated. I even included an envelope with a dollar or two to pay for the stationery and commented on it, and finally had it gift wrapped and took the train downtown to hand it to his secretary so she could put it on his desk while he was at lunch. Of course, you couldn't do it now. They'd have a bomb squad on your back. But then the creativity got their attention, and it accomplished just what I had hoped to accomplish. I got an audience and established an excellent relationship with top management that I enjoyed until I retired. So don't be afraid to stand out. If you've done your homework well, you can and should exude confidence in what you planned, and you'll find the funds you're seeking will be provided to you with a smile. <laughs>